Welcome to Vantage Fishing Radio, where we discuss the hot bite and all things fishing. With your hosts, Dustin Clark and Lewis Chapman. Fish on. This is Dustin. I'm here with my partner, uh, Lewis. Welcome to episode 12 of Vantage Fishing Radio. Yeah, welcome. Uh, it's good to be back on and talking fishing, that's for sure. Absolutely. It seems like uh, there's a lot of ice fishing going on right now. I know we want to we want to talk about quite a bit of ice fishing, although I haven't been doing a whole lot myself. Yeah, unfortunately, my ice season got cut way, way short, and we can get into that a little bit later. But um, I do want to thank everybody for uh, that's been following our blogs and listening in. We've had a little bit of dip in uh, putting stuff out, but we're trying to get that turned around, and we'll get into that as well in this this episode. So, Dustin, what have you been up to? Uh, me, I have been uh, working and trying to get as much ice time as I possibly can. Uh, unfortunately, it seems to be like once a month. Uh, right now, those are rookie numbers. Uh, I got to get those numbers up. How about you? Yeah. Um, you know, absolutely zero fish in life has kind of gotten in the way. But I have been um, kind of prepping myself for open water a little bit and, and trying to just get over the fact that I missed this ice fishing season. Um, so one of the things that I've done is I, I had my Hummingbird Helix 5, which uh, I got brand new last year, and this ice season would have been its second season. Um, I ended up selling that and uh, using the funds to pick up a Colorado XT to kind of give me something to work on and uh, trick out and get ready for spring fishing. Um, and then besides that, I've just been kind of reading some articles and catching up. It's I've been kind of staying away from Facebook, to be honest, because it's it's hard to see everybody else ice fish when I can't. That, that's really, really tough, um, especially when ice fishing is, is my love. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll uh, just get to spring fishing and, and see how it goes. So uh, you said you, you sold your Hummingbird, uh, the Helix 5, right? That's the GPS Chirp 2. Is that what it was called? Um, yes, it was the, it was the, uh, chirp. It was the dual sonar. Um, so I ended up selling that. Um, you know, one of the things I, I kind of learned a little bit about selling things, especially ice fishing and stuff like that on Facebook. I'd never done that before. So that was kind of cool, but, uh, boy, I got lowballed over and over and over and over again. And it's like, you know, I get it. Everybody wants a deal. But the thing is, is there was no other hummingbird. There was no other electronics out there for sale that weren't Vexlar or weren't the like traditional flasher. And, you know, this has GPS and, and all that. And it was only a year old and, and, and like almost new shape. So I wasn't willing to give it, uh, give it away from a low price. Plus the Colorado XT float pontoons are kind of pricey. So I needed every dollar I can get. So that was kind of a, a thing playing that game and, and trying to have, haggle and bargain and and whatnot but i think i left happy and the person buying the helix should be pretty happy so 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 how did that feel i i i know i've only sold one vexlar in my entire life and that was after i had already picked up my new piece of equipment which was the vexlar flx 28 you know i upgraded from the 8 to the 28 um man how did that feel like losing to me i felt like even though i had a replacement it was like losing a part of the family or I was losing a foot or, you know, maybe a hand. How did that feel for you? You know, like, I don't I was okay with it because I had my, uh, Vexlar. I had a uh, FLX 12 almost for four, maybe five years. And then I was like, ah, oh, it's time to, to upgrade. Cause I want GPS. I want this. I want that. 
Um, and so I was okay with it because like I'm getting something in return fishing wise that I really desire. And so it kind of fills that void. And plus the other reason that I decided that I was going to sell now, and it's not because the helix is bad by all means, it's the best unit I've ever used. It was better than my FLX 12. Um, absolutely love the GPS, the zooms, having all the different screen options and the sensitivities, so like so many different beams, um, settings to, to go down. So it was an amazing unit. But the thing is, is come next year, it would have been the third year. And, you know, Hummingbird already put out upgrades to the Helix 5 and 7 this year. And so there will even be more upgrades next year, maybe even new models. I, I've been watching the Hummingbird's website. Nothing introduced through their press releases or anything like that yet. But uh, I figure I'm just going to get the latest and greatest in technology next year. So, I, you know, it's okay. Like, I'm going to be uh, stay on that cutting edge. So it's okay with it. So, so you sold the Helix to go yeah. after a Colorado XT inflatable pontoon boat. And I did. I traded yeah. electronics for a whole boat. Uh, traded electronics for a whole boat. <laughs> Pretty much. Wow. Um, it, it was about $25 was the difference. So it really kind of covered it. So it shows how expensive uh, ice fishing electronics can be. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, what made you want to go after the uh, the Colorado XT? I know uh, you and I do quite a bit of float tubing together. or, or Let's just call it inflatable fishing because at this point, saying float tube doesn't really do any justice to uh, the inflatable pontoons, if you will. Yeah, you know, and I have a 17-foot a, a walleye boat, and I love boating. But the last couple of years, I've been getting pretty hot and heavy into float tubing. And uh, it's just a lot of fun, and sometimes it's just a lot easier to the boat, especially if you're only going to do a half day here or there, or maybe you can't put a boat on that water that you always wanted to fish. So it's good to have those options. And then, uh, you know, you and Chris uh, got some Colorados as well, and I've been watching you guys on the water. and. Uh, just a little bit more storage, uh, moves through the water a little bit easier. I think it's a bit safer than a float tube. Um, so I was kind of all about that and, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be tricking it out. We could even do a, a good, you know, float tube, float pontoon episode in the future to really get down dirty in this. Oh, absolutely. You know, um, this is my, uh, <clears throat> like you, like you mentioned, I have, uh, the Colorado XT as well. Uh, I bought it at the end of last year. Got a fantastic deal on it with some, uh, some Cabela's points and, uh, you know, the blessing from the wife and all. Um, <clears throat> that's my second time owning a float tube. Uh, I should have never sold the first one. My first one was a uh, was a water skeeter, and, and that thing was awesome. Uh, the thing I really liked about the XT is all the storage, uh, the bin on the back. Uh, I could put, I can actually put electronics on it if I really wanted to lug around a battery. Uh, so I found uh, some unique ways to allow me to uh, to get some electronics on it that has actually benefited me during this ice fishing season. So I know we're going to talk about that a little bit later, uh, but uh, what are we covering in this episode? Uh, so, you know, so we're going to get into a little bit about what's been going on with Vantage Fishing lately. You know, what's been going on with Dustin and I, why we haven't been on, um, and see if we can get that turned around and uh, get cooking again. Um, we're also going to touch a little bit more. We talked about it in our last episode in November, but we're going to get into Colorado Parks and Wildlife, their uh, 2019 fee changes and what's going on with those, just in case you missed the last episode and people are starting to feel those effects now and when leading up to April when the new licenses come in. Um, and then we're going to talk ice fishing. It's still ice fishing season. Um, you just did a trip up to Stagecoach this last weekend, so we'll get into that and some other happenings. Um, so, yeah, you want to jump into segment one? Yeah, you said it's still ice fishing season. Um, I, I wish somebody would tell Bass Pro Shop, Cabela's, Shields, all those places that there is still hard water around here because I got stuff I need to replace 
before they start bringing everything for the spring. But uh, let's go ahead and jump into segment one. Um, well, actually, real quick, I'll stop you on that. Um, yeah. You know, let's let's talk real quick about Cabela's and Bass Pro and Jackson, all these um, big box stores and even some of the smaller mom and pop stores and why ice fishing gear is really starting to be hard to find this this right now and, and whatnot. So essentially, um, all these companies, ice fishing companies like Clam and Frable and, and all these others, they do a big production run in you know late summer into the fall of everything that they're going to produce and sell for the most part um, at that point. And then they ship it to the stores. And then what the stores generally get is all they're going to get. Sometimes they will get a second shipment. When I was working at Cabell's for a while that, you know, uh, a few years back, we got two shipments. So like this thing started getting thin in January. We got another shipment to kind of get it going up, but it was a pretty weak shipment. And then, you know, by the end of February, March, it's like bare bones. It's the worst jigs on the shelf that you would never use here in Colorado and, and things like that. So it's one of those things to where, you know, uh, you have to start your search online coming in those later months to find stuff. And even then, like Amazon and stuff is going to get tough because people are also searching there. Um, so if there's something you're wanting, like a big item or, you, you know, some gear you want to upgrade going into next size season, I suggest you start shopping online. September, October, if you're going to get it in store, most stores are setting up their ice fishing stuff uh, come November. Um, so most of their stuff will be in store by Thanksgiving easily. And that's the best time to go in, get your hands on new equipment and check it out. I mean, what, what do you think, Dustin? Oh, yeah, you know, um, come the end of February, you're finding even your your little stuff like Swedish pimples, especially the, the pink and the, uh, the orange, they're not going to be around. Um, I will say, last year, the year before, uh, I had asked my wife for a Christmas present. I wanted a new rod and reel, a new ice fishing rod and reel. And uh, <clears throat> I kind of gave her an idea of what I was looking at. Well, she went to go pick it out. It wasn't available. So what she did was uh, she did her own little bit of research, and she found a, uh, a clam ice reel. It's called the Predator. And then she found a, a clam rod that uh, – that I've absolutely fell in love with. So if it wasn't for the end of the ice season um, and, and unfortunately having to spend a lot more money than what I ever would have anticipated to spend on, on a rod and reel, I got a pretty good setup. So, you know, as far as that goes, if you're one of those people looking for a, uh, a good deal at the beginning, go out and get it. But um, sometimes, sometimes you might be able to find a good deal on a rod that's been sitting there for the last two months. You know, maybe it's a Fenwick that they've, discount and now all of a sudden you're like oh i can afford it you know go, go out and take a look but um but you're right you know at this time of the year maybe toward the end of february beginning of march um wanting to replace some ice gear you're definitely probably gonna have to find that online versus uh, in a big box store yeah for sure and that was like a big like hold the brakes here's a whole lot of information when we were supposed to move on to the next segment but i just felt it was necessary to talk because people are probably wondering what the heck is going on with trying to get ice ice fishing equipment this time of year yeah um, all the spring stuff is coming out now <laughs> yep you know and i just received my in fisherman magazine for this month and it's all about spring fishing and and all that um you know spring walleye season is a big article in there so that's a, a good one to grab which we'll be talking spring walleye here in the next episode or two, probably as a little teaser, but uh, just a little shout out to Will Dykstra. He made it into In Fisherman. He's got a little plug on uh, fish and spinny, so uh, nothing huge there. But uh, check it out. See Will in uh, In Fisherman this month. 
So on to segment one, Dustin, do you want to kick it off with uh, kind of what's been going on with you in life and why we've slowed down a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, to everybody who listens to uh, uh, the radio show, reads the blogs, I have to share, and you know, a personal apology is, you know, life gets in the way of everything. You start a new job, um, learning new things. Um, I have not been able to put out some of the content that, uh, that I had been in the past. Uh, even the radio show um, seemed to kind of, you know, be a, a side thought. So really want to want to get back into it and, and go a little bit, a um, little bit easier uh, than we had in the past and, and, and geared more toward even just casual conversations like we're having now. And, and, you know, in the future, get into um, some more things that, that people want to hear about. I know ice fishing season, um, you know, everybody wants to talk about ice, you know, May time frame. Right? You know, what's going to freeze up first? What's not going to freeze up? Um, you know, and that kind of stuff. So, again, you know, apology to all the listeners out there that uh, we're kind of counting on some, some good ice fishing uh, stories, tips, tricks uh, this winter. We, me personally, I just uh, haven't had a whole lot of time, and I think I've only been out on the ice maybe a handful of times. So, uh, you know, uh, my apologies. Yeah. And same here. I, we had big plans for this ice fishing season. I, I personally had big plans, so many trips that I wanted to take, um, so many blogs I wanted to write and it all kind of got ripped away. I, I literally made it on one ice fishing trip in, in, uh, early December, um, to fish 11 mile as soon as that froze up. And that was it. Um, the very next day I, uh, my back blew out on me for the second time and I've had two surgeries on it now since November and I just am not able to ice fish and uh, not risk a third surgery. So I've been on the sidelines. I haven't been able to fish whatsoever and it's been tough. Like I said, you know, I actually had to leave Facebook for a little while cause I was watching all you guys out there catch all these awesome fish and go on all these awesome trips. And you know, I live for ice fishing season. Like in the fall, I start jonesing for it and need it so bad. And, um, it sucked. Like I was going through withdrawals. It felt like, and then plus, you know, everything with the surgeries and coming back and it just sapped my motivation. And the last thing I wanted to do was kind of talk fishing, which kind of sucks. Um, yeah. So had to concentrate on getting well and, and changing careers because of the, the injury and, and things like that. So, um, but, uh, starting to feel better and springs a little bit on the horizon. So I definitely want to get back into it and start some writing and, and, and uh, definitely get on a, uh, better footing with the podcast with some more, um, uh, episodes coming on a, a good basis. So yeah, yeah I, I think, Oh, go ahead. No, I was just saying my apologies. Cause we made a lot of promises. You know, we did. And, uh, I think what really set the precedence and to be honest with you, it kind of um, weighed heavily is, um, you know, even outside your surgery uh, was our very first ice fishing trip of the year, which turned out to be a huge bust. And when you have a bust as epic as we had, it's kind of hard to bounce back from that a little bit. I mean, I was down. Uh, I felt like I had been defeated by the snow. And, you know, from that point forward, it was kind of like, you know, trying to re-kick and restart the motor. Uh, it, it felt sluggish, and, and I just couldn't get back into it. And then, obviously, losing you as a, as a fishing partner, um, you know, somebody there that, that pushes you, 
to be better. Um, you, you just don't find that. So, so those of you that out there that, that have a good fishing partner like I do and, and, you know, you can, you can share in that kind of experience, um, you know, hold on to that because if, if that person goes away, it's really, really hard to, to really jumpstart that motor again and find somebody else that, uh, is willing to share that same passion with you. So. Yeah, for sure. So, but Hey, we're back on air right now. Um, we're talking fishing and, uh, well, let's continue on. Let's, let's move on to segment two and uh, talk about a little bit of uh, CPW fee changes. Obviously, January first, uh, all the all the licenses for for fishing has has gone up. Um, I think we're what at nine dollars for a day license. Um, and, and a little off topic with with fishing, I've even noticed uh, when I went in to start doing my turkey draws, um, just the application itself went from like three or four dollars up to nine dollars. So uh, it is in full effect with the fee changes. What have you noticed so far? Well. Not a whole lot because I haven't uh, done much. Uh, but uh, the one thing I did notice, and this one came a little bit to surprise me because I knew a lot about the fee changes and the things like that coming. There's a lot of literature on it. And I must have missed it. It slid past me until I got my registration in the mail to renew for my boat. But boat registrations uh, for at least my 17-footer doubled. It's $65 now. Um so, and you know what, it used to be 35 and then also this new Colorado XT I have, if I wanted to throw a battery and a motor on it, I would have to put the whole numbers on and register as well. And so it would be $65 for me to register a float pontoon. So that was kind of a, a, a big increase I didn't see coming. Um, you know, parks passes went up, fishing licenses come up. So, you know, it's, it's definitely a substantial increase all, all across the board. Um, so it's going to hit the pocketbook a little bit, but I love fishing so much to where it doesn't bug me. And one thing that I do want to talk about with it, you know, and this was passed by a Colorado Senate bill, 18-143, the Future Generations Act, if anybody wants to look into it. Um, CPW has been operating off the same budget for years and years and years, since like the early 2000s. They have not had a budget increase um, whatsoever. Um, and so all their programs – and everything they do, the rangers out there keeping our, our places great, all the biologists working hard to keep good stuff going on, all that stuff. They haven't been able to hire hardly anybody. Um, all their programs are affected. Some have gone away. And, you know, with inflation, you know, CPW is running off the same money that it was from early 2000s. And that, that's just crazy uh, to think about. So, Part of this bill is to kind of try to start catching CPW up, and this is not going to be the first um, person only fee increase. There will probably be others coming in the future until they can get it indexed to the inflation rate. And what that means is that their budget will match inflation every single year. So instead of big increases like this, we'll see smaller ones. Just like, you know, at work when you get your raise and it's like 1% or 2% or something like that, it'll be like that in the future. So you'll barely notice um, a lot of the states around us are, are already matched the index and they already pay higher uh, licenses and fees. And so it's, it, it, 
Yeah, it sucks, and I hope it doesn't drive people away from fishing, and I hope it doesn't drive people away from the outdoors. But at the same time, if it, the model's broke and it can't be continued on that way, regardless of what you think about CPW, uh, whether you know they need an overhaul or you don't like this or that, um, it will only get worse if their budget stayed the same and things and the prices of everything kept going up. That um, we would lose more lakes, uh, stocking would be less frequent. Uh, you name it, right? there'd be less and fewer rangers. There hasn't been hardly an increase of rangers since then either. They're operating up the same amount of rangers, and you can see the population explosion in the state. So um, regardless of what you think, the uh, the budget did not match up to what they're doing. And I, I'll have to give CPW this. For everything we do complain about here and there, for the budget they had, they've actually done a fairly decent job. Um, I don't know. What, what are you thinking? That was kind of a long tirade. Yeah, you know, uh, it's so far the, the increase, you know, to, I'm looking at the, the registration application form right now, uh, about less than 20, obviously that's motorized and we're talking whether it is a gas motor or an electric motor, less than 20 feet is $60 and 25 cents to register that guy. Uh, anything from 20 feet to 20 or yeah, 20 feet to 29 feet, 11 inches is $70 and anything over 30 is a hundred. Um, you know, so like you said, you know, a personal pontoon boat uh, and a little inflatable that I, I would normally pay $25 to put an electric motor on, uh, it's going to be about 60 bucks now. And, and that's kind of actually been weighing on me because I've thought about buying a boat this, this last year, uh, whether it's new or used. Um, and granted, it's only a $60 fee, but at the same time, you know, you got to factor that in. Okay. That's a $60 reoccurring fee. Every year, uh, it's probably going to keep going up. And, you know, you have maintenance on your vehicle or maintenance on your boat, uh, gas and everything where, you know, I can jump in my inflatable, put it on any body of water that I want. And uh, the only gas that I need is uh, what I can put into my body to keep my legs kicking. So, yeah, you know, hopefully it doesn't deter too many people. Um, I'd really hate to see something happen where all watercraft would get, um, uh, would need a, a registration to go with it. So I'm hoping we can stay away from that because I mean, that'll really deter me and, and I'll be back to shoreline fishing, um, you know, pretty soon if, if that stuff kind of happens. So hopefully we won't see too much more of an increase or it'll stay kind of steady, but I think you're right with, with CPW and the, um, the amount of money they've had for their budget. Um, they, they've done a pretty decent job, you know, I, I, as far as Rangers being out, um, I got, checked for the first time this year. Um, I think I got checked like two times last year. And, and those of you who know Lewis and myself, uh, we fish a lot. I should have been checked a lot more than that. And it's just lack of people. So I, I understand. Yeah. And you know, it's, there's definitely some things when it comes to the budget and we all complain about lakes getting trashed or people fishing illegally or poaching or, you know, the jet skiers and, you know, you name it, we'll complain about it, but there just isn't enough Rangers to really kind of moderate it. So it's kind of, you know, for the most part, uh, you know, even if you report it, chances are whoever's going to be there doing that, it's going to be gone by the time they get there. Uh, so it's, it's, it's a hard one. And, and, so personally, I would love to see more Rangers. I would love to get checked 25 times a year. Uh, I, yeah, I think last year I was checked once, once, um, you know, and then, you know, the other big loss that was felt last year because of budget 
because CPW couldn't compete was we lost Lone Tree Reservoir and that was a huge, huge hit in my mind. So um, we're just crossing our fingers that that's going to stay open to public. I think it is. Uh, we'll get more info on that here coming in the spring. I was just hearing that uh, last weekend you made the long drive up with three and a half hours or so, uh, battled that traffic, that I-70 corridor, and uh, made your way up to Stagecoach with uh, uh, your son, your wife, and uh, uh, a buddy, one of your neighbors. Why don't you dive yeah. in, give us a run Absolutely. So, so first thing I have to say is I got to give a huge shout out to my, uh, my seven-year-old son. Uh, he woke up that morning, wasn't feeling the greatest, uh, threw up once before we left, uh, was feeling okay, uh, threw up the almost the entire trip up, but uh, no matter how much I asked him, he refused <clears throat> for me to turn around and go home. Uh, so he gutted it out like a champ. And to be honest with you, I'm glad he did because we had, um, I won't quite call it an epic day, but it was, it was pretty phenomenal. Um, so we, we made the, the three, three and a half hour trip, uh, up 70 through Dillon, uh, up to Oak Creek, uh, to fish stagecoach reservoir. Um, now <clears throat> this is like my fourth or fifth time fishing stagecoach. Uh, my first time ice fishing. Uh, I was up there quite a few times on my, my flow tube or my personal pontoon, uh, using a deeper sonar to really gauge the cove that I was in, uh, to catch some fish. So now throughout the summer, uh, the couple times that I did fish it, I got a good sense of what the lake was going to do and how it was going to fish. And I really wanted to apply the same type of techniques and tactics uh, during ice fishing season. Uh, my, my original plan was I was going to go up, for the, up there for the, uh, the tournament that Stagecoach has, uh, but I couldn't quite get my butt in gear to do it. So decided to go this last weekend. And <clears throat> I found the spot that I was fishing all summer long that the, the the ones that I did go up there and fish. And sure enough, it produced. Uh, we caught browns, rainbows, cut bows, and I even caught a baby pike. So um, for between the four of us, uh, we put 20 fish on the ice. Uh, my wife did. She, she got the, uh, the biggest fish of the day, which was uh, a 20-inch rainbow. Uh, but everything was, was measuring in between 15 and 18 inches, except for the pike, uh, I probably shouldn't even tell anybody about it. Didn't get a picture, so I couldn't be made fun of. But uh, nonetheless, it was still a pike. Don't care. Um, so, you know, preaching that uh, scouting, you know, if, if you can get on the water before the ice or if you can get on the water during the ice and just keep moving around and figuring out what's happening and what's going on, you can get yourself on fish pretty much any time of the year. Yeah, you know, and you bring up your wife getting, getting the big fish, and, you know, there's nothing I love bit better than be able to coach the ones you love and the people you care about the most, and it's a great success on the water. Um, those are some of my awesome moments. The most memorable moments is is watching my wife or my mom um, haul in big fish, and, and those are the fish I never forget, and those are the fish I for, think about first. Um, so it's pretty cool to hear that, uh, that she, she won the day there with you guys. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, kind of going backtracking a little bit, um, for those that, that haven't read it, I recommend going back and, and reading the blog or, or listening to one of the episodes. 
what really made the difference, you know, I have all the electronics, underwater cameras and everything. What really made the difference for this trip for me was uh, my deeper sonar that I used during the summer. Um, so I used my deeper off the back of my personal pontoon. Uh, I recorded every movement that I made. It, it did everything. It gave me all the contours of the cove that I was fishing. Um, once I got onto a spot where I was seeing fish and I was able to hook up to them uh, regularly and successfully, um, I decided, you know what, I bet you this spot would probably be pretty decent in the wintertime. Now, granted, during the summer, I was fishing just a tad bit shallower than I was, than I was ice fishing. I think I was in 18 foot of water or, or 15 to 18 foot of water. And during uh, the trip on Saturday, I was sitting in 24 foot of water. Um, and, and I was able to pull up the map that I used. And it put my GPS point where I was standing and it overlaid it with the tracks that I was using um, during open water season. And I was able to dial it in perfectly. In fact, after I got done clearing all the slush out of my hole, um, I was seeing fish on my Vexlar. And I think within five minutes of being on the water, I had my first hookup and then it was on, you know, I, I not, it wasn't fast and furious. But, you know, 20 fish in about four hours, I consider that a pretty decent day. Now, yeah. No, 100 no fish would be better, but. Yeah. And, you know, to get into electronics a little bit more. Um, so I, I'm a big fan of Vexlar. I loved my Vexlar. Um, one of the big reasons I sold it was because Hummingbird had the multiple screens. Um, there was no delay and the GPS and the GPS was a huge thing for me. I can move that chip back and forth between the helix on my boat and the helix uh, I'm using on the ice. And um, the, the deeper gives you that cheaper option ice fishing to where you don't need the Vexlar or necessarily the hummingbird and you get a GPS and you can use it how you just did. If you scout something out in the summertime, um, even, you know, if it's not stagecoach, you can do it here. Say, you know, you've, you've, uh, got this hot spot, you know, you fish from shore at Boyd and you can cast that deeper out there and really map it and ping it and see how the fish are at that spot. And you can go right back to it. Mark's on the ice and, and tear them up on the ice. So it's, it's awesome feature. You can use it from the boat or float tube. And you know what, for those that are on the budget crunch, the deeper is it's cheaper than the Vexlar and it's cheaper than the hummingbird. It's got a few drawbacks. Um, that, you know, the battery, life you, know, you got to use your phone so you're putting your phone in danger with the water so there's a few things to it that uh, kind of counter it but you know another pro to it is it's light and portable so um you know if you've got that ice fishing trip where you've got a haul you know all the way across the water or maybe you're going up to a backcountry lake early in the season and you don't want to haul the electronics all the way up the hill you know deeper is a good option so um I, you know it's on my amazon shopping list for uh, my Colorado XT that I just picked up is to have that deeper attached to it. So, and they're actually starting to come out with a lot of accessories too, to help protect your phone and, and to be able to, to attach your phone to your rod so you can concentrate on, you know, uh, using your rod and stuff like that. And you can monitor the, the deeper from right there, hands-free. So uh, I, I'm excited with what that company's doing and what they're, what they're putting out. Yeah. You know, I would say um, it is a cheaper option to the Vexlar and, and having boat electronics and, and all the good stuff. There is one drawback with the ice fishing season uh, and using the ice mode on the deeper. Um, it's not as granular and there's not as much of a refresh rate as you're going to get from your hummingbird and as you're going to get from your Vexlar. But uh, with my buddy Chris out there, um, <clears throat> at first I had him sitting at about 26 feet of water 
And he wasn't seeing anything on his deeper, but I was seeing stuff on my Vexlar at 24 feet. So I, we moved him and got him a little bit shallower. I think he was sitting in 22. And then he instantly started picking up fish, even though maybe, you know, the delay from the jig yeah, uh, and from the fish coming in was, was a little bit slower than my Vexlar. He was able to determine I moved or he moved five feet or 10 feet away from where he was fishing originally. And all of a sudden, yep, there's fish there. So at a minimum, what it does is it gives you the opportunity to say, okay, I know there are fish here. I may not be able to put my jig right in front of their face like you can on a Vexlar or, or a hummingbird and really get that reactionary strike and the presentation perfect. But uh, at a minimum, it, it, it gives you the opportunity to say, yep, there are fish here instead of spending 40 minutes. Okay, I've sat here for 40 minutes. I don't know if there's fish underneath me or not. I'm going to get up and move. Um, which kind of brings up a, a, a tactic and a tip there. Uh, during the hard, or during the soft water season, um, I was implementing the uh, pontoon trolling, if you want to call it that, or the float tube trolling is, I think, what we call it. Um, and I was using um, a twitch-tailed minnow and a castmaster. And we all know the castmasters work a good portion of the year, even through the ice. Um, I started off with that twitch-tailed minnow. And I just wasn't getting any love. So I switched over to uh, the uh, just a pink version of the Atomic Teaser. And sure enough, it, it, was, it was on like Donkey Kong. So, um, you know, remembering, the, remembering those little quirks or, or whatnot from soft water to hard water is, is also a key there. Uh, but then I decided to switch over to the... Uh, the tried and true cast master and sure enough got, got several hookups on that. But again, tactics for different times of the year, I was able to at least get back on the fish from what I remember and uh, was able to use uh, the, that was the really nice part about the deeper. I don't have to bring it with me. I just bring my cell phone and it has all my maps already stored from all the previous adventures that I'd had with it. Hold it right and boom, there it is. All the information my fingertips. And that's something that's got me, you know, excited to buy the deeper. And I'll use it next ice fishing season, but I will also get a main unit as well. Um, but I'll use it a lot from the float tube. And I was even thinking about using it from the boat trolling. Just, you know, have it back there uh, on a heavy line so I can see what's going on where my lures are at versus both, um, you know, the, the unit on my boat, but also back there. But um yeah, so it's good. And that auto mapping feature is something else. And uh, um, you were showing me that this this summer and it's got me sold. So it's definitely just another tool to add to the arsenal. And you were talking tactics a little bit. Um, you know, so we're now in February with ice fishing season. December is always the hot bite. January is like up and down. February gets rough. Um, it's slim pickings. The fish are, are just not as active as they normally will be. And no matter what you're kind of chasing, sometimes they'll get a, a hot bite, but you have to be at the right spot at the right time, know when those fish are feeding or get that good reactionary strike. Um, so I wanted to talk a little bit about the reactionary strike, Dustin, and going into February into, into the dog days of ice fishing. And I, I you know, I, I would give anything to be out there on a slow day right now. <laughs> but, um, uh, so essentially, you know, a, a good tactic to use now, especially if you, you've missed that early morning bite or, 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 uh, and through the slow times of the day, um, ice fishing, no matter where you're at, sometimes 
you'll have to draw the fish in. And so you get that second rod stamp, use that second rod and, and have your uh, dead stick or on the jaw jacker or jigging jaw jacker with whatever your favorite bait is. This time of year, the smaller the presentation, the better. It's almost more important than colors, would you say? Oh, absolutely. Um, and I'm glad you brought that up because um, that day I used two different atomic teasers. One that was pink and one that was green. I left the green atomic teaser on my jigging jaw jacker for two hours with no love whatsoever. The pink one, I was crushing it. Um, I had other pink little flies. My wife had uh, uh, little tiny pink uh, tube jigs. Um, the one thing I, I would have to say, uh, you talk about the reactionary strike, I'd watch the fish come in and they would kind of look while I was jigging, and once I figured out what, uh, what type of jig they were looking for, um, you know, I would jig, not, I wouldn't say for, uh, you know, heavily. I would jig just enough to, to create enough vibration in the water. As soon as they come in, I would stop. Automatically just stop jigging. And, and if there wasn't any movement or if I didn't get an immediate strike right then and there when I stopped jigging, I'd pull it up a little bit, watch the fish chase, drop it down a little bit, pause. And then if I still didn't do anything, maybe I might do a little twitch. And so each fish was a tad bit different. You know, there wasn't anything that was just, you know, everybody knows that in December you see a fish come in and slam. They just, you know, more than likely they're going to hammer it. This one, you kind of had to coach them to take it. Uh, yeah. And that's wife, classic. Classic yeah. February fishing. It, yeah. it'll, as you get closer to March and we're getting closer to ice off, that'll pick up. But through this mid, you know, early to mid February, it's going to be tough. And another thing is, is maybe throw on it like a giant Z-Ray or some sort of giant spoon and, you know, all the love to the world of Z-Ray because it really works with this. Um, get that bright silver or copper one and, and get it down there and really work it up and use that to attract fish in. And a lot of times they won't hit the Z-Ray. They'll come in and hit other things. But once fish start coming in, you can even raise it in and put uh, like another small bait pr presentation down if, if they're not, if they're attracted by the Z-Ray but not hitting. You know, especially like, you know, you know, towards lunchtime, one in the afternoon, those, those obvious slow hours for the most part. Um, a lot of times I'll take that Z-Ray and just start smacking the bottom and create a bunch of mud too in the air. And mud is great because – a, it signifies that there's something going on for a fish to come check out. And why a fish wants to check that out is because is it a crawdad burrowing? Is it another fish digging up another bug or a fish or something? So a lot of times mud in the water floating around, that, that dust, that, and it's horrible on the electronics because it reflects that, refre reflects that signal back, and, and it, it's hard to see through your electronics on that. Um, but – at the same time, those fish come in and they have just as hard time seeing as you do. And a lot of times they'll pick off whatever is on the bottom there. You know, big browns are notorious for that, thinking there's a crawdad or something like that, you know, getting into something there. It'll come in and be like, hey, it's an opportunity. It's like a, a shark coming in and stealing something else's kill. And so a lot of times you can trick those fish. You know, hey, if you're having a hard time getting them bite, biting when they can see your lure, let's disguise it. Let's use like those elements. Let's get into some weeds and tear up some weeds or tear up some, some, uh, mud thumping against the mud's a great way to get a big Brown, big trout. I don't know how many times I've seen big rainbows and Antero go down into the weeds and into the mud to find something. Um, and, and it's amazing. They even know it's there sometimes and they'll come out with it. And I've gotten some nice fish doing that. 
Oh, absolutely. Uh, I, I fished a little bit differently than what I would normally this last weekend. Um, you know, I normally have two holes set up right next to me and my jaw jacker somewhere else. And, uh, this time I, my wife, I had her sit the hole to my left and I was in, in my hole and I put the, uh, the Vexlar in her, in hers. And, um, so that way she had a better visual of what was going on. Um, I dropped my jig all the way to the bottom and was just lightly bouncing it off. And I had hers, uh, she was jigging about five feet up from the bottom. Um, and, and you've seen a lot of fish coming in now, a classic moment here. Uh, she decides to go ahead and put her, her fishing pole in a rod holder and check her phone. At this time I was still jigging just enough and boom, I seen this huge signature just come in and stop. And it was like a foot below my wife's jig. And I was like, oh, okay. It's not interested. It's not seeing anything underneath it. It's not looking at mine. So I, I gently reach over and I grab the line and I move it up just a little bit, just a nudge. And boom, it strikes. I was able to set the hook by hand and my wife caught that 20 inch rainbow. And it was a fatty. It was a nice, it was a nice fish. But it was just that classic where she was doing a dead stick. I was actively jigging. Uh, I just happened to catch it out of my eye saying, oh, there is something staring at your jig. And maybe if I move it just enough, I can get that reactionary strike. And sure enough, we got it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Boy, you're making me miss ice fishing. I'm so jealous <laughs> of all of you guys. I don't have any Facebook pictures, nothing. You guys send me any Facebook stuff. Don't don't I'll talk to you come the spring uh, when we can go fishing. Um, <laughs> I'm so jealous that uh, everybody's out there ice fishing this season until you actually lose the season and not able to go. Uh, you know, it just, it, uh, you just don't know. You don't know. It, it's uh, so, but uh, yeah, so I'm glad you had a great trip up at, at stagecoach. Um, so what are we looking at here for future episodes? I know we got St. Frank fishing experience coming up. Um, we do. That's in March, right? I believe so. I believe that is in March. So maybe we should talk about that here in the next week or two. And um, also, you know, that spring walleye bite. And everybody is like so ice, ice, ice. I'm telling you, there's big walleyes to be had here in about two to three weeks, um, which will surprise most people. And that's going to be open water and possibly even boating. And that is my planned return to fishing. So that's what I'm looking forward to at this point. So I definitely want to talk a, a lot of spring walleye and, and maybe even see if we can get a, a guest or two who really knows their stuff with the spring walleye come in and talk to everybody. Um, and you know what? We're going to probably still talk a little bit more ice fishing. You got any trips in, in mind for the future? Uh, yeah, actually, uh, my dad hit me up. Uh, he wants to – originally he wanted to go to Granby uh, this upcoming Saturday. Um, I told him no, only because I know of a certain tight line outdoors tournament up there that I don't want to compete with. And since I'm not participating, uh, for the $5,000 first place, um, I'm just not, um, uh, with not logging enough ice time, I am still rusty and I don't feel like I would do myself justice to actually compete in that tournament. Uh, we're going to try to go hit up Clear Creek Reservoir way out past, um, Oh, you suck. I really don't like you right now. I really don't. <laughs> well, I've been That's wanting like to finish this thing. On my list to go chase tiger muskies at, and you're going up there without me. So Exactly, exactly. I've been wanting to fish See if this you thing. get that invite on the spring walleye on my boat, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been wanting to fish this particular uh, reservoir for the last three or four years, and I haven't had the chance to go up there. Knowing that they have tiger muskie, 
and never fishing it before, I could be setting myself up for some serious failure. Um, you know, I will be bringing hot dogs just in case uh, uh, I decide to set up a tip up and, and throw it out and, and try to go after one of those tiger muskies. But with it being a lake or a reservoir that I've never fished before, I'll probably stick to the, to the standard uh, trout. Hopefully, you know, I, I can pull up a couple of decent ones. Uh, but really, this is more of a this is more of a discovery. So this will give me the opportunity to take my deeper with me and at least record the areas that I'm going to be in so I can either avoid them or come back uh, in, uh, let's say, May to put my flow tube on it or a boat on it. So that's kind of the plan. If it's dead, I'll probably hit up Antero. Uh, depending on how that's fishing, we may end up making it a three-lake kind of day and try our luck and uh, – um, what not over to Leavenworth. So you mentioned Clear Creek and you got me all upset. So not very happy with you. But <laughs> briefly mentioned that for Tiger Muskie. Um, go back to episode seven of Vantage Fishing Radio. Give that a listen if you want to learn more about Clear Creek and Tiger Muskie. So, uh, you know, we're getting towards the, the end of the time frame for this one. And plus, uh, you know, open up Tiger Muskie for me is opening up a basket of worms I could talk about forever. So we'll we'll touch on that a little bit later. But uh, episode seven, if you want to uh, check up and learn a little bit more about Clear Creek. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, so we'll come with you with uh, more info about this year's St. Brain Fishing Experience, what's going on with that um, uh, here in the future, spring walleye. And we'll definitely talk more ice fishing. Um, you know, Dustin, you got anything else to add for this episode? Oh, no, I think I'm all talked out at this point. Okay. As always, if you've enjoyed or found value in our blogs or this uh, Vantage Fishing Radio episode, please like smash that like button, kill it, just hit it over and over and over again. Uh, show us that love and um, definitely leave comments, feedback, all that great stuff so we can hear what, uh, what you think and you know, what you've been doing out there and, and whatnot. Um, and so we're planning on getting back at it. I, I hope to get a new blog out this weekend so I can get my writing back going and uh, have that fresh for the walleye bite. And uh, we'll uh, try to be a little bit more consistent with the podcast. And uh, we were talking about possibly even trying weekly. So we'll see how it works out. And we're not going to make any promises there. But maybe recording Monday nights as we are now and, and possibly publishing Tuesdays or Wednesdays so we can make it a little bit easier to, to catch stuff as they're going out. The podcasts are found in so many different areas. Uh, hit up our website. That's where they're going to be at first and foremost, vantagefishing.com. But they're going to be on iTunes, um, Google Play, like all sorts of – it's literally found in nine different places on the web. It might even be more by now. So um, you can listen to it through your favorite way and hit us up if you uh, want to learn all those. Um, Dustin, anything before we sign off? Yeah, you know um – for those of you, if you got a good ice fishing story or if you want to come on and, and, and talk with us, let us know. Hit us up. And, and as always, fight the skunk. Yep. Fight the skunk. And uh, good luck to you all out on the ice except for Dustin and Clear Creek because that's just nuts. It's not, <laughs> cool. not cool, dude. Uh, signing off. Fight the skunk. Bye.